As many of you know, I am very passionate about elevating the conversation regarding our mental health and well-being, and I remain more committed than ever to move this vital part of our lives out of the dark corners and into the light. To further my commitment, I asked a national leader in the field of pediatric mental health to share his pioneering journey, work, and mission of improving the mental well-being of children across the country. During this episode, we are fortunate to learn from Dr. Parker Houston, clinical director for the On Our Sleeves program, which is part of Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. Dr. Houston and his team are working tirelessly to make mental health care accessible to all children and their caregivers in every community across our nation. I look forward to having you a part of this important and timely conversation and how you and your community can help Dr. Houston's mission with the On Our Sleeves program as we continue to work together to move our mental health and well-being forward during these critical times. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Dr. Houston. Welcome to the podcast and for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. It's great to be here. Well, Parker, I'm looking forward to our conversation today, given your team's inspiring mission to break the silence surrounding children's mental health. But before we dive into your incredibly important work, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment and visit passionatepioneers.com in order to share your ideas and feedback. Simply scroll to the comments section at the bottom of each posted episode. And lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Parker, it's almost time to learn how you and your colleagues are working to provide every community in America access to free, evidence-based educational resources necessary for breaking stigmas about child mental health and educating families and advocates. But first, I'm going to randomly select an icebreaker question so we can get to know you personally. Let's see what comes up here. Oh, this is a good one. So this one, to me, it's even closer to the heart right now, given we can't get on these magical things called airplanes during this pandemic and we're really locked down. Where's your favorite place on earth and why? Well, I have two for you today. One that I go to every year and it's Beaver Lake, which is small private lake in New Jersey and Northern New Jersey. And most of my friends from here in Ohio say, why would you go on vacation to New Jersey? But my grandparents bought a house on this lake in 1949. And so my mom has gone there every year of her life and I've gone there nearly every year of my life. And so now my family have a house there as well. It's really quiet. It's peaceful. I've grown up with all the people there over the summers when I was a kid. And so that's probably my yearly happy place that I get to go. And now I take my own kids. But then, you know, one of those one-time where have you been that really changed your mindset or made an impact on you. I have been able to travel all over the world, but the place that really sticks with me is a little town called Hallstatt in Austria. And it's up in the Alps on a lake. Some of the nicest people that I've met there, really beautiful scenery. There's a tram you can take up the mountain to overlook the lake and the valley. 
And I think it made an impression because I had recently been traveling in a lot of large cities across Europe. And this was just a real sanctuary and a quiet place. And so I had planned to spend one day there and I ended up spending four days and canceling some other plans because I couldn't bring myself to leave. So I've always dreamed about going back there someday. I am right there with you. I have been to Austria once and it was unbelievably gorgeous, just stunning, small little towns everywhere. It was beautiful. And man, I can't wait to get back over there. I tell you what, it's a, yeah. a beautiful area of the world. Incredibly nice people as well. And the food, fantastic, of course. So absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that, Parker. Yes, I cannot wait for the pandemic to lift so we can get back out there and explore the world some more. But for now, we will stay locked in place to do our part to continue to help battle this virus. But let's jump into the very important work you and the team are leading with On Our Sleeves in Ohio. Wow, incredibly important. But before we go into that, what you guys are doing with the organization and the movement to do exactly that I just described on the opening of this episode. Take us back though, Parker. Tell us how you got to where you are today being the clinical director of On Our Sleeves. Take us through the journey and then we'll dive into On Our Sleeves. Yeah, I'm happy to. It's like most people, I think, who end up in a job like mine, a position like mine. It's a relatively circuitous route and not a direct path. You know, I started maybe early on being interested in advocating for people, especially people who can't speak loudly for themselves. And I was raised in a family, a community of educators and helpers. And I was taught from a really early age that being a helper and being someone who's an advocate in the community is a really important life mission and life goal. And so despite that, I went into college thinking I would be in the hard sciences. I really loved chemistry, physics, anatomy, things like that. I thought I might even be a physician or a chemist, but I really fell in love with psychology. And my first ever college psychology course was taught by a man named Lester Lefton, who literally wrote the textbook that we used for our class and is a internationally known psychologist and professor and has been a president of Kent State University recently. And so he totally changed my course of study within the first semester into psychology and the way that we could use that to improve people's lives and help them. So then after that, I entered graduate school with a passion for helping people who had experienced trauma. And so I worked with Professor Ann Bogat at Michigan State University on a program called the Mothers and Infants Study. And we researched the impact of family violence and community violence on the development of the infant-mother relationship and how families deal with that and overcome that. But then I kind of found my way to pediatric psychology, which is the field that I currently practice. It's the mixture of medical science and psychological science together during my internship in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I worked at Allegheny General Hospital there and also at the Children's Institute, which is a rehabilitation hospital. And I really fell in love with the idea that I could mix my original passion of more hard sciences and medical sciences with my new passion of psychological science and that I could help patients and children, especially who were in need of those services. And so then I was a fellow at Akron Children's Hospital here in Ohio and sort of cut my teeth in the pediatrics world there and moved on to my first job in Grand Rapids at Helen DeVos Children's Hospital. 
And I worked in this really amazing clinic called the intensive feeding program. And, you know, we worked with families for eight weeks on making pretty substantial changes to their children's lifestyle and behavior when it came to mealtimes and eating and, you know, help them overcome some really difficult medical and developmental circumstances and taught parents how to feel empowered to make some of those changes at home with their children too. And so I kind of learned there some really important lessons about being part of a large group of people who are working towards a common goal and how to be part of a change movement because we really focused on our culture there. We work really closely as a team. And so I saw the power of leadership to lead from the front as far as changing minds and changing expectations and changing the culture of a group of people there. And so I started thinking about, you know, how could I have a hand in doing something like that, whether it's in my own workplace or my own community. I never really thought that I would be able to do that on a national level, but I just started to have those inclinations and doing research and trying to understand how to be a part of something like that. And so when I was offered the opportunity to move here to Nationwide Children's Hospital, part of my job talk here was about the importance of culture and the importance of teamwork and how that improves patient care and how that improves the mental well-being of both your coworkers and the people that you're serving. And so I kind of found myself not only shifting my clinical work here to Nationwide Children's Hospital, but my other developing passions in, you know, culture development and behavior change on a large scale. And so I sort of took a educational role here at the hospital, both internal and supervising externs in the community. And I like public speaking very much. And so I found myself doing a lot of public speaking. And so On Our Sleeves was launched in October of 2018 on World Mental Health Day. And really, it was started with the initial mission of just creating advocacy and awareness about children's mental health we received a transformational gift from Big Lots of $50 million to build the Behavioral Health Pavilion here, which is a one-of-its-kind, huge hospital-sized behavioral health building here on campus that I'm actually sitting in right now. And, you know, we realized that there was more to just building a large building. We needed to really help people understand why a building like this is necessary in a city like Columbus, Ohio, and why more of these buildings are necessary across the country. But what they realized shortly after that was they needed a dedicated clinical voice to that mission. And they were getting a lot of questions about, well, it's great that we know about this, but now what do we do? How can we help? Where do we go from here? And so that's when they asked me to take the role of the clinical director so that I can be the clinical voice and I like to say that the Marcom people here who put so much of their energy behind developing this and keeping it moving and raising funds for it, they just give me the biggest megaphone that I've ever had in my life to speak to the communities here in central Ohio and around the country. And so we've shifted into providing resources, as you said, to every community across the country. And we're trying to, as we say in positive psychology parlance, we're trying to shift the average up of mental health and mental well-being for children across the country. So exciting. Wow. Thank you for the background and kind of the lead up to you being the clinical director for On Our Sleeves. 
But before I dive in and have you take us into really the nuts and bolts of what's happening with On Our Sleeves, you teed it up already a little bit. But I want to go to a little bit maybe under the hood, behind the scenes. How did this even come together, right? There's always that aha moment or there's always the spark that allowed something of this magnitude to launch. And you mentioned World Mental Health Day in 2018 was when you formally launched. But of course, you know as well as I do, there was a lot happening behind the scenes well before World Mental Health Day of 2018. Can you maybe pull the curtain back a bit, lift the hood up, take us in there and let us know how did this even come together in the first place? Absolutely. I think it's an important story. It's one of those natural genesis stories where there is that aha moment. And the aha moment from us was we received this transformational gift. We knew that we were about to embark on a mission here at the hospital to really make behavioral health and children's behavioral health and mental health focus of our hospital system. And we are one of, I don't know where the ranking is today as I sit here, but we're one of the two or three largest children's hospitals in the whole country. So we have substantial resources and facilities, but the understanding of the need, what they noticed was some of the statistics of one in five children having a mental health disorder, which impairs their functioning. And that suicide is the second leading cause of death among 10 to 19 year olds, which is really shocking to a lot of people that suicide impacts children to that degree. And then thinking about the fact that 50% of lifetime mental health disorders start before the age of 14. And when looking at the mental health landscape out there across the country, what we noticed here is that there was kind of a white space there that Children's mental health was seen as a private matter for many people. I like the way that they put it here in the media department, which is it's not a casserole type disorder. If you're diagnosed with a lot of medical conditions, your neighbors will bring you food and they'll, you know, watch your kids and take out your dog and collect your mail. But mental health disorders are different than that. They're not visible. They're sometimes hard to talk about and they're hard to get support for in a lot of ways. And so that's really the genesis of where this all started. And then for me, what I've tried to help impart on folks is the fact that we have a reactionary system in this country for mental health. And as efforts have shifted in the physical health side of things to prevention and understanding things like preventing obesity and exercise and and other smoking cessation, all of those type of things. We want mental health to be the same way. We want to think about it as in a positive psychology way. We want to take our knowledge of what we know about mental health and disorders of mental health. We want to provide awareness, education, evidence-informed resources to be proactive. We want to think of this as a skill that we can build of resiliency, social emotional skills, and awareness that will help in the prevention side of mental health for kids. So that's where we really shifted our mission from just awareness and advocacy, which are still core tenants of on our sleeves, to providing those resources of what do we do now? How do I help the children in my classroom? How do I help my own children? How do I partner my organization to, you know, help my colleagues or coworkers with solving this issue and improving children's mental health? Well, I'm going to go ahead and grab my soapbox for just a quick moment here. I'm going to jump on it, and uh, I'm going to uh, just kind of plus one a little bit of what you said. Many of our 
community members here that uh, are a part of Passionate Pioneers know how dedicated I am and laser focused I am on continuing to uplift all of our leaders across this nation that are working tirelessly around elevating this notion of mental health and well-being and making it part of our everyday nomenclature. You know, we had Dr. Benjamin Miller on episode two, actually. He was our very first guest over about a year ago, and he's the chief strategy Mm -hmm. officer over at Wellbeing Trust. And he mentioned during that podcast recording, and I still remember it for a very long time, it's the words that we use, it's the words that we choose on how we talk about these types of topics. And I think this is exactly the conversations that we need to be having and continue to uplift leaders just like you. So no, I'm going to continue to sound the alarm in very good ways to let our community know that we need to be talking about it. We need to be celebrating it. There's nothing wrong with it. Just like if I were to go to the gym and get a good workout in, there shouldn't be any problems of me sharing that with you. And conversely, you sharing with me, maybe a breakthrough moment you had with your therapist. These are the ways that I hope that we can continue to move our nation forward as leaders. So I'm going to go ahead and jump off my soapbox now, but I wanted to make sure that I continue to share with our community. We will continue to be dedicated to this. This is incredibly important and even further exacerbated by this pandemic of this need. So, you know, with that, Parker, thank you so much for all of that insight and that passion, the mission that you guys are on. But let's also talk about the name. I love the name and I want our community to hear why you chose the name. What does it mean? What does on our sleeves mean? Well, it's a riff on the old saying of we don't wear our hearts on our sleeves. And what we wanted to communicate is that children don't necessarily wear their emotions on their sleeves. They might act their emotions out in behavioral ways and we might consider them a child who's difficult to manage or who act out in school there's usually a lot more to it. And when you get down to it and ask them more questions and show real interest in developing their ability to talk about things like their moods and emotions and and their experience in the world, we can start to see that we can get those things out of them. We can understand their experience more and we can help them more. So on our sleeves is the idea that we want to make their experience more visible. We want to make their emotions and their moods and their happiness and joy. We want to make that easy to see for people through conversation and through advocacy on their behalf. And so that's why we chose on our sleeves and we created all these great icons that you'll see if you go to our website or if you see any of our materials, there's all these kid-friendly icons. And some of them are things that might make you think of sadness or frustration or anger. And other things are hopefully something that'll bring you joy and Each of the icons means something different to each person that looks at them. And it's a way of thinking how to bring out some of those thoughts that are usually private and and that we don't typically ask more than on a cursory level, especially to our children. Well, thank you for framing that up as well, Parker. So at the top of the episode, we were framing this up that all of you are dedicated to every community in America to give them access to the free evidence-based educational resources necessary to break these stigmas about child mental health. How are you guys going about that tactically, right? That's a big comment. I love it. It's very inspiring. Here you are based in Columbus, Ohio, but how are you tactically as an organization really fanning out across the country to deliver on exactly that mission? Well, we have... I can think of three ways and maybe I'll add a fourth as I'm thinking through it. But the first way is focusing on getting the word out through 
media appearances, writings, podcasts like yours, Mike, are super helpful in that way. But, you know, I do a lot of public speaking, both for media outlets. I'm on the radio relatively frequently. Uh, I was just in the New York Times earlier this week. Every time we talk to the media, we try and bring it back to the need for advocacy, the need for greater understanding and partnering with us. So that's one way of getting the word out in as large of an area as we can. We're also starting to partner more with national leaders in especially working with kids in different ways. So one of my favorite examples is we put a high value on teachers and educators as someone who has frequent contact and, and is seen as an advocate for children already. And so we like to create school-based resources and different types of activities that teachers can do during the day at school. And so we've partnered with a group called Young Minds Inspired, and they're a national teacher-serving organization who they also provide free resources to teachers across the country. And forget the exact number as of today, but it was somewhere in the area of they're in about 55,000 out of the 65,000 elementary schools in this country. And so we partnered with them to create some resources to disperse to teachers in that way to help with lesson planning and just to make it as easy as possible for teachers to include this in their daily functioning as a teacher. We also are partnering with a lot of nonprofits and we're in negotiations with many groups right now, national child serving organizations that, you know, we're hoping we'll use our materials and we'll implement things in their communities across the country. And in part, we're going to offer to educate all of their staff as well. So we're creating trainings about how do you have these conversations with the kids that you're mentoring or that you're serving or caring for? What might you hear back and how would you respond to that? You know, how would you respond to a child who's in distress? How would you respond to a child who wants support in a specific way? And so that's another way. The final way that I can think of off the top of my head is partnering with businesses across the country. And in this case, we're actually wanting to serve those businesses. We're in development right now of a workplace curriculum about child and family mental health and mental wellness. And it's going to be both a educational platform for helping companies understand how they can make good decisions for their employees and the impact of mental health on families and their employees, but also for the employee side of things, we're going to use some of our materials to give them advice about what could you do in your own home to help improve your children's well-being and your own well-being at the same time. And so these are all things that we do at no cost for free. All of our materials are open to whoever would like to download them and use them. And so while we say we're serving communities across America, we really are serving communities across the world because We've had plenty of interaction from other countries, Canada and the UK. I've had some people tune into some webinars from Scotland and India and Japan and South Korea. So, you know, we're willing to help anybody who's out there who wants to benefit from our information. And when you start thinking about the future state as well, Parker, obviously that is a lot. You guys are already serving, like you said, leaders across the world. But where do you also see things heading in the future for you and for On Our Sleeves? What does future state look like? And maybe it's even over the next 9, 12, 18 months. What does that future state look like for the organization? 
Yeah, the thing we're really excited about right now is something that we're getting ready to launch here in January, hopefully. We're doing our best to get it done, even though we're still all working socially distanced from each other here. But we're going to be partnering with some healthcare systems across the country. And they're going to become official partners of On Our Sleeves. And what that means is that we will provide all of the resources that we possibly can to these other child-serving health systems across the country. And they will be able to white label our materials. And so they'll keep on our sleeves on there, but they'll be able to put their own moniker on there and market it to their local communities and use our resources as well. And so we're hoping that that's another way that on our sleeves spreads throughout the country is through other health systems who have behavioral health professionals who can really help us not only implement this in their communities, but get the word out and develop more and more materials. We want to create a national network of other passionate people who want to do this same work and need help with the infrastructure part. And we're willing to provide a lot of that and do a lot of the heavy lifting for them in order for them to be able to implement this in their own communities. Because I think one of the important things to keep in mind on our end is that as much as we want to make a difference in, you know, improving mental wellness across the country, we cannot be the mental health providers for everybody across the country. There's no way for us to do that. And so we need to partner with people across the world, across the United States, especially to serve that need and to help, you know, really dive into their local communities on a deeper level than we can ever do from here in Columbus. Well, we have community leaders across the nation tuned into this podcast that uh, not only are leading their communities broadly, but also executives of some of the nation's leading health systems. And so in a moment for our community, I'll be asking Parker where we can find all of this information and more importantly, how you can bring this into your own community as well. Because as we all know, we need to continue to work together to move the health of our nation forward. And I cannot wait for Parker to direct us of where we can find all of this, where we can plug in, and how we can continue to move on our sleeves across the country. But before we go there, Parker, maybe we're going to ask you, can you share with our community one problem, need, or question that you currently have that our community can be contemplating and helping you with? Sure. The need that we have is, you know, kind of what we've been talking about. We need people across the country and across the world who are passionate about improving children's mental health to partner with us in some key ways. I have four ways that you can partner with us based on who you are, and maybe you might fit into more than one of these buckets. But number one is just to advocate in your community. Sometimes a community is larger than another. So we have some people who advocate in their community, which means amongst their friends and family. And that's incredibly important. It's really important for people to feel like they can have some agency in advocating for themselves, their children and children in their local community. But that could also mean your larger community. If you have a large voice, you know, we have some people with national followings of social media and who have a large voice to speak. And so they help us by being advocates. Another way would be learn and teach the children in your life about the things that we have to share whether you're a parent, a family member, a teacher, a mentor, a business leader, learning and teaching the people around you and making it a priority is our main mission to get the information out there. 
Another way would be to partner with us more on an official basis through your organization, whether it's a nonprofit, a school system, a business, another healthcare system. We're really interested in partnering with all of those groups and we find common passions in pretty much every group that we meet with. And that's always exciting for me to see, you know, what the possibilities are out there. And then the fourth would be, of course, fundraising. We want to keep this free. We want to keep it openly accessible. That's the only way that we can approach an equitable way of doing this. And so that requires funds. And we do partner with both small and large organizations. Big Lots continues to be a huge supporter. They just did a point of sales fundraising for us for six weeks and raised three and a half million dollars for us just finishing up at the end of last month. So those are the ways that we can keep this free and openly accessible to everybody out there. Well, Dr. Parker Houston, a man with a plan. I love it. Clear, uh, (laughs) concise action items uh, and call to actions for our community and how they can get involved. So while we now have those clear action items to move forward and get involved and continue to support on our sleeves. Now let's talk about where we can find all of it. Where are some contact points online, social media, websites, uh, handles, or otherwise, where can we find you online? Great. Thanks. Well, the main website is easy. It's on our sleeves.org. And that's the easiest way to get started. You can learn about our program. You can sign up to get our weekly or biweekly emails that keep you updated on all of our content. And you can just peruse through there and see what we already have existing on there. You can email me directly if you'd like to chat about something else or share a story or partner on something. And the email address is easy as well. It's on our sleeves at nationwidechildrens.org. And that'll come directly to my inbox. And I'm pretty good about getting back to people. You can find me on Twitter, Parker Houston, PhD. It's H-U-S-T-O-N is my last name. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Same thing, Parker Houston. I'm happy to link up with people in many different ways to try and partner together and work together towards our common mission. Well, all those contact points are also in your episode notes. So if you're listening in uh, via your favorite podcast player, simply scroll down and click on through to any of those contact points for Parker and the On Our Sleeves community. Additionally, we'll have a post over at passionatepioneers.com with all of those contact points listed as well and an opportunity for you to leave any comments, feedback, ideas, or otherwise for Parker and our team here at Passionate Pioneers. Well, thank you for that, Parker. We're going to start wrapping it up here. One of my favorite parts of spending time with leaders just like you, and it's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because... I'm a passionate pioneer because I'm working with the team here at On Our Sleeves to improve the mental well-being of children across the country by building a community of other passionate pioneers who can make a real impact. And together, we're changing the conversation about children's mental health. I love it. Well, know that you now have yet another advocate here a mile high in Denver, Colorado. Big fan of your work. This is uh, more important than ever and know that uh, we're going to be rooting you on. We're going to be using this podcast to get the word out and rally our community around you and the mission over at On Our Sleeve. So for now, Parker, thank you so much for taking a pit stop, spending time with me today and sharing your message and mission of what's happening within On Our Sleeves. We look forward to continuing to follow the journey. But for now, thank you so much again for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. It's been a blast.
Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. 